You know, after last week, I was reminded uh, several times that uh, as I was preaching, I used the staff. Several people thought I was going to have to pay a few thousand dollars to replace this. <laughs> so they put a little fear in me. Now, uh, what Brian didn't tell me when uh, he asked me to, to uh, be here today, he's finishing his vacation, what he didn't tell me was since the first time I preached here, we're just getting set up for the video. Maybe this is good, maybe it's not. It's okay right here, but when you get right here, I can't see hardly any of you out there. I know you, you are there, aren't you? Just the guy back there in the light. Yeah, hello. He told me he'd cut me off at the pass if I wasn't very careful there. Oh, goodness. Today, I want to talk with you about something that's deep in my heart. Uh, and I have to give you just a bit of a background. I grew up in a central Louisiana town, a small place that would have made Vanita look like a metropolis. And you from Junction City, whoa, you would have passed through and not even known. We only had a blinking light coming through town. <laughs> and I would go to church and listen. Great teachers. They loved to teach. And I, and I knew they loved me and they cared for me. And I heard the gospel message in sermons, but I didn't get it. I would sit there and listen. It says, God loves you. Believed it. I knew Jesus loves me. Almost could have seen it frontwards and backwards. But I realized I didn't have a relationship with God, but I didn't know how to get it. And somehow I missed how to get it, even in the sermons. Good sermons, but it didn't happen to me. Finally, after a long of times of thinking about it, my dad said, don't you want to go up there front? Nope. Sure don't. <laughs> Scared to death. But on that one Thursday night during a revival meeting, I understood that I needed to ask Christ to come into my life. That's how you have a relationship with him. You invite him. So I got up and walked all the way up to the front and told the preacher, I want to be saved. He said, good, Bill, have a seat. And I sat down. You know what happened to me? Nothing. <laughs> Except I moved from over there to over there. And I sat there. You know what I thought? I was a fourth grader. I was smart enough to know that something should have taken place. And I said, God, I thought I, I thought I would get, God, what I wanted was I wanted you to come into my heart and save me. I wanted to be changed. Whammo. That's when it happened. Preacher didn't know it. He was messed up with all kinds of issues that he wasn't thinking about me. He didn't know enough to say, Bill, just bow your head and ask. I've thought about that for many, many times since. And I try to help people to understand you can come to know Christ in a personal way. Now, I've been a pastor over 50 years, 
And I can think back of times when I've witnessed to people and shared what happened to me. And I think about a man who was a member of this church. Back before he was a member of this church, he came to my office. He, his wife and, I, and, uh, and my wife worked together. And he sat down there and talked to me. He says, Bill, I was in Vietnam. And when I was in Vietnam, my best friend was in, in the company we were in. He was the radio operator. And I, I watched how he did that, and I stood with him. And we went into an area, and we were being shot at, and we were being hit. And they shot him, and he killed him. And the lieutenant says, Bob, pick up that radio. And I grabbed the radio, and they started shooting at me. And I was hit. And he said, I went into a foxhole, got down as far as I could, and I said, radio, you're gone, baby. I went down in that foxhole, and I said, God, something was supposed to happen. I don't know what, but it hasn't happened. He said, I want you to forgive me and come into my life. I've messed up everything. I, I just don't, I just want you to forgive me. And, and that's the last he remembered for two weeks. When he woke up in the hospital in Hawaii, he learned that 89 of the people in his group were killed. He was one of the survivors. He did not see a single chaplain in that hospital. The Vietnam War was flashing everywhere. But he started remembering. He said, what happened? I remembered I prayed that prayer. And the prayer was, Lord, I want you to forgive me and to come into my heart. And that felt so good then, and it felt good. He said, but Bill, I've been praying that thing every night ever since. But I don't quite feel the same. I said, well, no wonder. He said, no wonder what? I said, that was the opening prayer. You haven't talked to him about the rest of it. He said, what's the rest of it? I said, it's about growth. You need to thank him and ask him how to grow. Grow? See, he hadn't heard the other basics. Bob started growing. Talked to his wife. I told him I'd like to take him to church on Easter. Well, they went out and checked the church out because I had to preach somewhere that Easter. And they checked this little church out and said, we're going to take you to it. This is funny. He said, we've been collecting these little flyers that come from that church. They've been sending them out for weeks. And then I said, did you just get one? He said, yes. I said, was it one? You'll remember this. Was it one where, that, where the preacher ah! says, he's trying to scare you? Yeah. Wouldn't go there. What do you mean? We, we went there last Sunday. We kind of liked it. I wouldn't go there. Why? I said, because that that's, a, that's a real picture of that preacher. Do you know Andy Martin? <laughs> yeah, I do. And this is what he said. Is that one of your kind of churches? I confessed it was. And Bob and Laurie Brown became part of this church. Because somebody listened and tried to explain how to grow. I happened to be there. You could have done the same thing. But no one ever told him. So my message today is about telling. Some people are just waiting to be told. 
I went to see a man up on top of a hill. It was the top of a hill. It was all my little old opal could do to climb to the top of it. I got up there. He came in and ran into the back of my car on purpose, I found out later. Well, I left, went, went away, and he called me at one in the morning, said, come talk to me. I went up and talked to him. He was as mean as a snake. He did not want to know anything about God, but he did want to know about God, but he didn't want to hear it, but he wanted me to tell him. He was just some, he was drunk, but he was listening. They moved away and I moved away. One evening, I heard a car coming. Ladies, you wouldn't understand this, but guys, I knew it was a split manifold on a six-cylinder engine. And it was Hollywood mufflers, I thought, unless you'd take the mufflers off. He had pulled up in my yard. I looked up, and there's that guy, Tom. And Tom says, I just wanted to tell you something. I said, what do you want to tell me? He says, I wanted to tell you that I got saved. I said, you got what? He said, you remember me? Oh, yes, I did. I said, I still have the scars on that old car. I had to sell it with a broken out rear thing. I refused to fix it. I wouldn't even remember it. That was a tightwad too. But uh, <laughs> he said, I kept thinking about that and that somebody cared about me enough to come up there when they knew I was probably not going to respond right. But I want you to know, I talked to so-and-so, and it was a friend of mine, and he says, he explained to me how to be saved. I got my life straight. Now, what I figured out is, I've had the privilege of helping people come to know Christ. But I've missed more opportunities than you would imagine. A lot more than I'd like to admit. One of my best friends today used to live next door to him. Actually, I moved in next door to him. I didn't win him to the Lord. I didn't witness to him. I got scared. But your grandpa got to him. Yes, he did. Your grandpa went in there and says, this is what you need, boy. Don't talk to me that way. He said, yes, I am. I'm, you're in the hospital bed, and I'm not. <laughs> and, and he got saved. I mentioned that in the second service last week. So what I'm telling you is this, and it's pretty simple. There is a way to be a witness. In the Bible, there's so many places explaining what it is to be a witness and we're going to put the, pa the passage up here from, uh, from Acts, and that's Acts 1.8. But I want, to, I want to stop before that. Just trust me. I, I got the same book here. I want to read verse 7 with it. Now, this is what Jesus said. It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, when things are going to happen, says, that's not your job. But here's your job. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Has anybody here been to Jerusalem yet? 
Anyone? Two of you have. I suppose I'm going to go by there on the way to the New Jerusalem. Maybe the only way I'll get there. I read that and I said, Jerusalem. Boy, that's a long ways away. The Bible says, as you go, you're to be my witnesses. No, no, it says, go ye therefore. Boy, I said, okay, I will go. I will march. Go ye therefore. I, that's not what the translation says. If you go back and read it in the Greek, it says, as you go, or as you are going. In other words, you start where you are. And that's really what this whole message is about today, that we need to start where we are to be our witnesses. So the first thing is we ought to do is we ought to check our love for others. Question, does your faith meet Christ's quality check? Oh boy, quality check. QC. If you've ever worked in a hotel, you QC guys come, oh my God, they're going to check the room, see how tight the beds are. Quality check. I bought a brand new Volkswagen. It was silver. It was my wife's car. I was so proud we had decided on it. And I went to get it and he said, we've got a problem. What was the problem? The QC guy said the paint on the outside and on the inside were not exact and it didn't pass QC. And my wife's car, the silver Volkswagen with a turbo diesel engine, turned out to be red because we chose red of the other two. QC. So what's a QC for you? What's the quality control or quality check on our faith? It literally means we need to see about our relationship with Christ. What is our quality type relationship with Him? Is our faith in a way that it grows? That it's inviting? That it's comfortable? That it works? And I really think that sometimes people who are searching to know God look for people they think know God by the way they act. They look and they see somebody and they start asking questions and we need to listen because they're asking them, are, they, are we hearing what they're asking? Are we recognizing? They're saying, let's, let's find this relationship. Well, is your faith growing in a concern for those who don't know God in a personal way? I've got to ask that. Is your faith in God so good, so quality, that it's beginning to grow? When you say, well, how do I know it's growing that way? Well, a few weeks ago, I, I baptized my grandson here. You might remember that. You know what he did? He went next door to a neighbor. On one side, an old grouch. He invited him to church. He said, it's pretty important to me. I want to come. I want you to come. You know what? That neighbor didn't like me. He used to be my neighbor. 
but he loved Cooper because he saw something in Cooper, and he came. He was here. Didn't stop there. He went over next door, and he invited the couple that lived next door. They're Mormons. You know what that lady did? She called me. She said, Bill, do you think they'll let me come in? I said, I don't know. They let me in. They'll probably let anybody in. She started laughing. She said, what would we wear? I said, what do you feel like wearing? You know, she and her oldest daughter were here. Because somebody that they liked, that they saw, invited them. Every one of you, every one of us, has an opportunity just to be a, and that's being a witness. Oh gosh, I thought being a witness would, you had to go out and make them become Christians. You don't make anybody become a Christian. You share who you are, and they desire it, and they, and they open the door. Well, let's move on. I want to ask you in that first line, check your love for others. What friend needs the kind of uh, faith in Christ that you have? What friend do you have that needs that kind of faith? Why don't you write their name down in there? Just be bold about it. Put that name in your outline. What kind of a faith do you have that you can share? Maybe a friend down the way? I look back at college people that were in my, uh, my, my college roommates. I had a guy from Louisiana. And boy, Louisiana, you think he's all one state? Ha! It's so different. My roommate was from deep south Louisiana. He was from Gaydon. G-U-E-Y-D-A-N, Gaydon. He was from Gaydon. He talked like that. He talked like that all the time, man. That's the way he was. And I witnessed to him. Didn't know a thing that he ever made a commitment. He was an avid Catholic. I said, good, go to the Catholic Church, but you need a relationship. About 10 years ago, I heard that he was a school principal or a, somewhere. I called him. Hello? Robert? Yes? Robert Darice Vincent? Yes, who is this? I said, Bill Phillips, your old roommate. Man, how are you? I haven't heard from you in 45 years. I said, well, how are you doing? He said, I just got back from Southwestern. I said, what are you doing in Lafayette? He said, no, not Southwestern in Lafayette. Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. What were you doing there? He said, taking my son there. He's going to seminary. What happened? He said, don't you remember? I gave my heart to Jesus when I was in college. He never told me. But I did witness you see, our witness, our, it, it takes a time sometimes for us to realize what God has done, but God did that. I didn't even know about it, but God did it, and God does it for you. People are watching and looking and waiting for you just to say something. But how do you get them there? John 12, 32, another one of the verses that we had there says, but I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, how do you get to Jesus? He draws you. He pulls you. Well, I'll just go up and get a hold of him. No. He draws us to him. And what happens is when we share Christ with other people, they hear the gospel, 
But when they turn and say, what about it? Is this real stuff? Jesus draws them. I challenge you to ask, God, is this real? What is it real? See, God wants you to know in your heart with finality, with, with excellence, with comfort, that He's real. He wants to be a part of your life. The Bible says there's only one God. He has been seen as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Say, so how do I understand this? Give you a real quick one. As a little boy, I listened to Paul Harvey. When I was in my first pastorate, we got Paul Harvey on a, a video. I saw him on television. I heard he was speaking. I didn't see him in person. Which one's Paul Harvey? Every one of them. Just where you see him, what you see about him. God is revealed as the Father, the Creator. He brought it all together. And when man rebelled as much as he did, he said, I'm going to have to come down there. And he did. He came down as a babe, walked in the midst. He came, and by the way, if you study in the Old Testament, it was promised that Messiah would come. He did. Now, some people do not believe he did. Okay. I'll buy that. You may not be sure. Okay. But I'll tell you what, if you're smart, you'll ask God to say, is that an imposter? God, show me. Show me, make me to be sure. And God wants you to be sure. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He loves us that much. So check your love for others. Check on those you love. Where are your loved ones in their search to know God? Where are your loved ones? You know where they are? After vacation Bible school two summers ago, at my home out in Bonita, I had my grandchildren. They were here. And I asked them that question. And they, they talked about it. They didn't feel threatened. Well, I don't know. I, I, I need to. You want to do it now? You don't have to go to the church? No. And both Cooper and Reagan prayed to have Christ come into their lives. Now, I'm concerned. I'm a grandpa. Is it real? I said, Cooper, I want you to tell your mother about this. And guess what? He did. And she told him, when I was about your age, I did that too. And Reagan says, me too. We get concerned about our children, but listen, it's not whether you're a child or you're an adult. If you invite him, he comes in. We open the door. We have to open the door. I saw a beautiful picture of uh, Christ knocking on the door. You've seen it. It's a painting. No doorknob. Why? Doorknob's on the inside. I like that. Well, what can you do 
to determine where people are in their search and growth. Listen. You've got to listen. Sometimes you have to ask questions. Sometimes you have to wonder. And sometimes you just wait because they'll eventually begin to tell you. You want to know what they knew, what they're, what they're doing. But I want to remind you this. Southern philosophy came from my mother. She said, Bill, you can catch more bears with honey than you can with vinegar. And I'll tell you, sometimes our, our witness is more like vinegarization than it is spreading some honey. We need to let people know that following Jesus is fun. It's exciting. My goodness. When you truly love people, you'll find ways to learn about their spiritual needs. Most of the time, it's in listening. Let me, let me show you something biological. Okay, can you hold on to this? How many mouths do you have? One. How many ears? Somebody said, that's why God wants you to listen twice as much as you talk. And really, in, in sharing your faith, that's vital. Because listen to what they're saying. They may give you the slightest clue that is where they are, that they really would like to know God in a personal way. Because it changes everything. It changes what you're doing, who you are, and where you go. So check on those you love and listen. Third thing, discover opportunities and spend time with them. Now that's good, okay. Be on the alert for regular opportunities to witness. Think about this. At a restaurant. There's a funny thing happens with our Bible study group, the men's group. Last week, or the week before too, one of the ladies that comes, they sit not too far from us, came in early. She came in up. I said, sit down with us. And she did. Last week, she was the first person there. She sat there again. Yesterday, she came in with her, uh, her, three of her friends. And uh, th these are senior citizens, folks. And when I'm saying they're seniors, I'm 78. She's my senior. But she got so much fun teasing. And then I remembered why she liked us. Before her husband died, all right, you, you of Owen Beaver folks, hold, you, hold on. Before her husband died, he was sitting there with a WSU sweatshirt, and she had something from WSU. And I said, could I take your picture? Oh, yes. She said, why? I said, my son and daughter went to WSU. I've become her friend. But not only that, the whole Bible study group, she watches us. Something you guys don't know. As I was walking out, there was another new waitress in there. She came up. She said, thank you for your Bible study group. I said, well, you're welcome. Are you a cousin, a daughter or to Paul, the, man, the owner? No, I'm a friend with Abby. Some of you guys met Abby. She said, I go to, and she told me about her church. She said, but I, it, just, it just made me feel so good to watch that you guys stopped and prayed. 
<laughs> People watch us. And you're being a witness. Or a restaurant. A restaurant. Uh, let's see, I lost where I was in my notes here. I don't want to miss that part of it. But we, we see neighbors in crisis in your neighborhood. They're there. Fellow workers at parties or when you have a need. Pray for wisdom to see the needs before you. There are needs that you can reach out to and touch just by who you are. There's another thing. When Christ's church is gathered, you know, you know when the church meets? I mean like uh, today? I meant like now? We'll have people meeting late, later, somewhere out online. But on a day, on a time like right now, there may be people right here who've had great hurts this week. Some may be struggling with personal issues, financial issues, job issues. They may need a listener. You hear me? They may need a listener. Or someone who is not, who will not pry into their affairs, but truly cares for them where they are. You see, there are people here. This is kind of a comfortable place to be that kind of Christian, okay? It's a little tougher in the neighborhood or a restaurant, but it's still needed here. How about when we say the church is gathered? What about when the church is scattered? When we're scattered? When we're away from the church? There can be some of the most powerful influences you ever thought because the most powerful effect can be out there when the people that don't expect you to be doing quote, Christian, whatever that is, Christian things, they're seeing how you live, how you talk, and they see that. They can have the most powerful influence, the most powerful effect, because people feel less threatened. I'll give you an example. In some ways, I wish I were not a preacher. I have nothing against the fact that God called me to preach. People call me Pastor Bill. Kids in my neighborhood don't. I said, call me Bill. My daddy did, and you have permission. I know I'm old, but I'm still your friend Bill. And they said, okay, and they called me Bill. Here's what it is. People ask me, what do you do? Oh, I sell fire insurance. What? Fire insurance, what company? Oh, eternal life. <laughs> oh, I guess I better tell you, I'm a Baptist preacher. Every time, every time they'll laugh. You know why? Because some of us Baptist preachers are so blasted stuffy, they can't expect us to laugh. Isn't that right? I prayed so. And I have opened more doors with a funny thing like that. You say, well, that's a preacher. You shouldn't be that way. I want you to know God knew I'd be this way, and he called me. You handle it with him. <laughs> that's who I am. When I moved to Kennewick, I was pastor. I got a stamp. And I took my calling card, and I stamped on it that particular message. And guess what? It said, one free sermon. And I'd give some here, get, take this, one free, this will get you in free the first time. So now watch those deacons, they'll, they'll get more of it. I gave that to a lady at the hospital. She was a receptionist at the emergency room. 
I love that lady because I was in and out of there a lot as a police chaplain, as a pastor. I was in and out of there. And she said, well, I'm a Captist. I said, a what? I'm a Captist. I'm a little bit Catholic and a whole lot of Baptist. I said, come. She said, no. But I kept giving her my card. She came one Sunday. She said, I decided to check in on the card. She put the card in an envelope and put $2 in it and said, for the pastor. It went in the offering plate, I guess. The deacons called me back there and said, preacher, we got a problem. What? Somebody gave you $2. Did you guys take it away? I said, I gave her a free sermon. She just wanted to give me 2 bucks. Nope, you're not getting it, preacher. And they laughed at me. But you know, that lady knows that this church had a sense of humor and teased her. And she came back a lot. And she felt loved because people reached out to her. What I'm telling you is we need to discover opportunities and spend time with the people, whether you're in fire insurance or, a, <laughs> or a, some kind of a comedy club. They need to know that you have been with Jesus. Know how to share and be ready to do it. There's a thing called faith. Forsaking all, I trust Him. Whole program of learning how to share that. There's four spiritual laws. You may have heard of uh, uh, the Roman road or others. I was with a physical therapist last year, year before. And I asked Matt, I said, Matt, what's your church background? He says, I'm a Catholic. I said, good. You active? No. Why? Here's what he said. When I was in college, I was active. And some guys came up to me and showed me the four spiritual laws, and I listened. And I listened, and it made sense, and I prayed, and I asked God to really take over my life. And I felt so different. So I went to tell my priest. And he said, you know what that man said? He said, you forget those four spiritual laws. You just come in and do confession. That's all you need to do. He said, I thought about that. And I thought about how different my life was. And what did you do? He said, I didn't go back. I dropped out. I said, Matt, you can't do that. You need to grow. Matt has had a special relationship with people from this church. You can't believe how many people have gone to him. Some of them just gone a lot. But Matt's going to come to my house sometime this fall with his whole staff because they've, they've helped us along. And I told him we'd do that, and then COVID came in. Boy, he's going to get a big brisket that time. And what I'm telling you is I'm reaching out to him and his staff, because on each occasion, whether Joan was there or I was there, we shared Christ. And one by one, they've made commitments. Not all, but some. I'm not responsible for all of them to get saved. I'm responsible to be a witness. I'm responsible to tell them that it changed me. Try it. It's good. Like telling somebody... Uh, you ought to eat banana pudding and never give it any to try it. 
It's like saying, it's, it's great. Why don't, you, why don't you just know where you get it? Time. I'm a ham radio operator. I've gotten my three licenses, tech, general, advanced. I've wanted that for years. I saw my first ham radio operator when I was five years old. He said, you got to learn how to do your code. Didn't tell me how. Through on, I got into college, and, and I met some other guys. Oh, you need to study all this stuff, but didn't tell me where the books were. You know, I went on for years until a young man said, well, you need so-and-so book, and it's right there. And I ordered it right there and got it, read it twice, passed the test for the first license. Gordon West. Bobby Blake, you need to try it. I know you got your novice way back when, but you need to get that, boy. And you know what? I started thinking, that's about the way it is with Christianity. Some of those, this boy is so wonderful. You really need to get it. But never tell anybody how. Or tell you, sometimes we tell them a little bit about how to get it. But they're scared to come and just sit in church. Well, I'll tell you. The fourth thing is, continue to care by keeping good records. Now, this is going to sound funny, and I know it. But when you put a person's name down like you did right after that first thing, John or Sue or whoever it was, and you talk with them the first time, the next time, talk with them in a different manner. Not a different tone of voice, but about another thing. You may be at what, what's happening in somebody else's life. And make a note of that so you don't have to bring it up and record it and do it a second time the same way. But share with them. It, it, it happens. Many good plans to keep the challenge is to keep up with a record of what you're doing as you witness. Each time you have a different approach, when you care, you'll not forget to be a witness to them. Who have you reached out to? And you've kind of forgotten to reach out to them anymore. That happened to me. Who have you reached out to and you quit reaching out to because you thought they didn't listen? I've got a good friend who told me, well, I'm an atheist. I said, really? And I started asking some simple questions. He said, well, uh, uh, I said, you know, I, I just don't think you're a good atheist. I think you're, a, you're an agnostic. What's the difference? And I told him, well, maybe. <laughs> got him thinking. And a former member of this church, James Sanders, some of you may have remembered James, but James is supposed to talk with him about ham <laughs> radio this next week. I've been working a little bit of behind the scenes. And you can do that with other brothers and sisters in Christ, reaching out and caring and showing that you care. When you care, you won't forget when you reached out to, you just got to do it. When's the next time you plan to show that you care? Think about that. Make sure it meets the following crisis, that there's a genuine concern based on the concerns 
that Christ would have for another person. Now, this is God in Christ. He cares about people having a relationship with Him. And you know what? When you care, they'll see it. They can tell that you're genuinely concerned. You don't have to have this big, powerful message. You say, I just care. What can I do? But I would just say this. Pleasing Jesus Christ is your primary motivation when he said, be my witnesses. And then celebrate your victories. Tell other people what's happened. I've shared with you some of the best times I've had in sharing Christ with others. I remember a young man wanted to get married. He came in and talked to me, and I said to him, Son, he was five foot, no, six foot eight. And I led him to the Lord. They got married. And they've been active in a church in Texas. I said, he left Montana and went to Texas or Wyoming somewhere. He just passed away. But his wife wrote me. She said, he has been so active sharing faith with his children, with his family. That was, that just, Dave touched my heart. He had to reach far down to reach toward my heart. But Dave, you've got Daves near you that need Jesus. You've got Susans. John, Mabel, who, I don't know. So here's the, here's the thing. Ask Christ now to strengthen you and provide the opportunity to witness. I believe with all of my heart. I believe that with all of my heart, when you ask Christ to strengthen you, he provides the opportunities. He opens doors. He doesn't throw a big light on. He just wants you to be watching. Here's what the deal is. The deal is this. Jesus loves you. He loves me. And he wants us to love others. And that's how he spreads the good news. It's simple. In fact, it's so simple, sometimes people miss it. But you won't. You know to do that. Now, it may be that there's somebody here today said, you know, I have never really had that happen to me. I've never really known that he came into my life. You can know it today. We're going to pray two prayers. Number one, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray right along with me. And the prayer would be asking him to come in, and he'll do it. You can trust him. And the second, I'll pray that we'll be witnesses. Because this is what it's about. I so enjoy the scripture because, you know, it said one of the verses I didn't read. It says, be kind to strangers because some people will entertain angels and not even know it. It's such a blessing. Let's pray together. Father, Father, there possibly is somebody here today that doesn't know you as, as a personal Lord. Father, Hear this prayer. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. And help me to be sure you've done that. 
Father, that prayer changed my life 60 some odd years ago, nearly 70. And Father, today, as we pray this closing prayer, help us, Father, as we step from this building, or maybe while we're still here, that we can be a witness, an encourager, a helper to somebody else that needs comfort, direction, or maybe just needs to come to know Christ. Help us, O oh Lord. You promised you would. You have promised that's your way to do it. So guide us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And the people said, Amen.